Welcome to Retire to a Life You Love with Michelle Gessner from Gessner Wealth Strategies. We inspire executives, professionals, and business-savvy women to better their finances and overcome the financial stresses of life. We do all of this by giving the advice you need to identify your goals and the confidence to achieve them so you can retire to a life you love. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to win financially as Michelle draws from years of expertise and talks with today's top business minds about their wins, failures, and best practices. Hello and welcome to Retire to a Life You Love, the podcast with your host, Michelle Gessner. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, Michelle. How have you been? I've been I've been well. How how about you? Oh, I'm good. And I'm loving, I know, I know a lot of people can't see, but you've got this fabulous pink jacket on <laughs> that is just screaming out to me. I love it. Well, you know, a little color is good when the sky is gray and, you know, we women love to wear black, but today I am breaking up the monotony, little, little fuchsia, if you can see me, which some can, many can't, which is all okay. Coming in hot, Michelle. That's what you're doing. <laughs> Coming in hot. Okay. What are we talking about today? So listeners who are looking for substance, this is your episode. We are going to talk today about end of the year tax tips, things that you should know about before the tax year ends. Maybe you can make some changes before it's too late to do so. So we're going to go through a lot of substance here. I'm going to give you a lot of information. And look, if if it's if it's confusing or you don't understand something, you have questions, you can always reach out. All right, let's get into it. Let's get started. A lot to cover. All right, so tax tips. First off, do you have any unrealized investment losses this year? Now, people, that that's actually a technical term, unrealized investment loss. What is that? That is a stock, a bond, a, some sort of security, mutual fund, that you've the value is lower than what you paid. Okay, so if you were to sell it, you'd have a loss. Unrealized means you haven't sold it yet. It's just sitting there on the books. It's not a realized loss. It's an unrealized loss. So if you have some of these, and many of you do, because we had a market decline in 2022, and we're still not completely recovered from that in 2023. So if you've got these losses that you can realize that you can, uh, well, that's the term, realize those will go on your tax return and apply towards per perhaps some investment gains that you have elsewhere. This technique is called tax loss harvesting. I just described what tax loss harvesting is. And that is something that your advisor should be doing if you've got one. If you don't have an advisor and you don't understand tax loss harvesting, there's a good reason to get an advisor. Because if you can realize some tax losses on your tax return, then you can offset up to $3,000 of ordinary income, meaning that income is no longer applicable to be taxed. The government lets you offset up to $3,000 with, with realized investment losses, okay? You can't offset more than that. You can carry them over to the next year, but you can offset... Uh, any amount of investment gain with investment losses. So we're going to talk about that next. Okay. So if you have a capital gain this year or a potential capital gain and you need to realize it, 
Okay. You need to sell that piece of property and you're going to have a taxable gain from that property. You might want to look at these unrealized investment losses and potentially use them to apply towards that gain that you're going to have. Uh, this is a good time to be looking at these kinds of things. Now, if your taxable income is greater than $492,300 as a single person or more than $553,850 as a married filing jointly person, then you're going to pay a capital gains tax of 20% rather than 15%. Ooh. And I want, yeah, so I just want to pause there because people may not understand that capital gains tax is lower than ordinary income tax. So capital gains tax, nobody likes to pay, pay tax of any kind. But if you're going to pay a tax, wouldn't you rather pay capital gains tax than ordinary income tax? Sure. Because yeah. it's lower. Just wanted to throw that in there that those are the brackets for and taxable income. Let me define taxable income. That's not gross income. That's income minus your either standard deduction or itemized deduction. So I just gave you the brackets for 2023 for a single person and a married filing jointly person. And those are kinds of the, some of the things you want to look at before it's too late. This is the time to get this done if you're going to do it. So a capital gain, like, again, this is like if you're selling something big and, you know, you've realized income from it. Is that how it goes? Yeah. So think about, say, a piece of property you were going to sell. You're going to have potentially a taxable gain because you bought the property for a lower price and you're selling it at a higher price. There's a gain there and it could be taxable depending on what uh, amount is excluded. And I don't want to get into that, but let's say there's a gain and it's taxable. That would be an example of a capital gain. But what you need to understand is that investment losses um, that you might realize because you sold the security and you did that intentionally to harvest that loss for your tax return, those have to be applied against other investment gains first before they can be applied to say a house that you sold. Got it. Also, I want to make sure you're mindful and understand that there's something out there called a wash sale. Now, a wash sale is something you want to avoid. And what is a wash sale? That's when you sell your security that you're planning to harvest a loss from. And then you turn around within 30 days after that sale and buy the same security back. Okay. The IRS doesn't like people doing this tax loss harvesting just for the tax loss to put on their tax return. So they really? have, you know, <laughs> they, so, <laughs> so they instituted this wash sale and said, Hey, if you're going to do this, you can't sell the security 30 days prior or 30 days after the sale of the security or else it won't count. It's not illegal. It's just won't, you won't get the tax benefit. I just described what we're trying to do here is get that tax loss uh, on your tax returns. You can use it to offset some gains. Um, and it might make sense to buy the security back 31 days after you sell it, right? And and so this is this these are techniques that advisors use to help their clients with taxes. And if you're not getting this kind of work done, um, the, you need to know that there are advisors like like us that do this for you. Great, and then that's another reason 
to make sure that you're with somebody who understands all of this because to the average layperson, yeah, it's um a little confusing. It is. And it's also confusing. Okay. Maybe I want the tax loss, but I don't know which security to sell. And I don't even know how to get the information, Michelle, that you're talking about. And, 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 and should I sell it, bring a, buy it back 31 days later? Should I not? Like, There's a lot to, to know here. And, and I, the purpose of this tip is to let you know that it's out there and that the proper professional can help you. Um, this is the time to get this done so that you can have all the advantages you are entitled to for your tax return. Because December 31st is too late. December 31st is coming like a freight train. It sure is. And you want this stuff done while the getting is good. And so cost basis and you know the embedded capital gain, that's all information at your advisor's fingertips easily. They just need to do it if if they're going to, you know, if, they, if that's a service they offer for you. Okay. So let's also talk about another tip here. Um, are you required to take a required minimum distribution, RMD for short? All right. The deadline's December 31st. If you're supposed to take that, you that's the deadline. What is an RMD? Required minimum distribution. Yeah. And okay. So if you're wondering, well, I don't, I don't know if I'm required to take an RMD. Well, guess what? I'm going to give you the, the information you need to know. And it's even if you did know or you thought you knew, guess what? The Congress and IRS and all those folks, they've made it so confusing because they just changed all the rules and then they changed them again. So it is confusing. It's confusing even for professionals. So I'm going to give you right now what you need to know to, to know if you are required to take an RMD this year. So if you were born on or earlier than June 30th of 1949, you've been taking RMDs and you have to take one this year as well. If you were born July 1st, 1949 through December 31st of 1950, then you are required to take an RMD this year. If you were born on January 1st, 1951 through December 31st of 1959, you do not need to take an RMD this year. Uh, you're going to turn 73 next year if you were born in 51, and you'll take your first RMD next year. Okay. And last but not least, if you were born in 1960 or later, you will wait to take your first RMD when you turn 75, courtesy of the SECURE Act 2.0 that just got passed. So all of these are new rules. And they're very confusing. So if you find yourself going, I, I, I need to rewind this episode and listen to that again, feel free to do that. So RMD is when you need to take out some money from the investments that you've had for retirement because this money has not been taxed as of yet. So that's why they require you to take the money out so that you have to pay your fair share of taxes, right? You are absolutely right. And I thank you for saying that because I didn't really define the rest of RMD. Required minimum distribution specifically applies to IRAs, not Roth IRAs, regular traditional IRAs, and 401k money that's pre-tax money, and 403b money that's pre-tax money. So if you have to take an RMD this year, remember that inherited IRAs have their own RMD calculation that they have to you have to remove, and regular IRAs can be aggregated together for a collective RMD, and it doesn't matter which one you take it from. And if you take it a little bit from this one, a little bit from that, they don't care. 
they can be aggregated, but 401k plan RMDs cannot be aggregated. You have to take each from its own. And last but not least, dizzying set of rules I know, 403b plan RMDs can be aggregated together. So if I just confused you, another reason why you should be working with an advisor. Okay. I'm not trying to confuse anybody. I just want to say these rules are confusing and it, it, it requires some professional help. If, if you're, you're finding yourself just dizzy. Yeah. And I, I almost think they do it on purpose just to be mean. <laughs> that could be, that could be, or job security for all the, the CPAs out there and, and, and others you- that work. Are you CPAs paying off the government? Is that what you're doing? (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, they say there's nothing that's sure except death and taxes, right? Right. And and so we're always going to have confusion with taxes. Um, So I I do believe CPAs have job security. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about Roth and Roth conversions. Yep. That's another important tax strategy. And here's what you need to know. December 31st is the deadline set by the IRS. You have up until that day to get your Roth conversion done, if that's what you're going to do. But guess what? Much earlier than December 31st is what I want to throw in there because the custodians, the Schwabs, the Fidelities, the, you know, those folks, they get swamped with requests for RM, or for RMDs, for, for Roth conversions, all this stuff that we're talking about, they get swamped, right? Because everybody wants to do their end of year tax planning. And so if you wait till the last minute to do your Roth conversion, you may get turned away by the custodian. They just can't get it done for you. So Mm -hmm. my advice to the listeners is get your Roth conversions done as soon as possible. It is, you know, we're recording in November, get it done. There's holidays and the custodians are swamped. It's their busy time of year. So keep that in mind. Very busy. Now, I'm going to give you a few things to think about to to maybe consider whether a Roth conversion is something you want to do. Just remember this, you may not want to exceed your marginal tax threshold if your taxable income is close to 182,100 if you're single or $364,200 if you are married filing jointly because those are the the threshold uh, ceilings before you jump from the 24% marginal tax bracket to the 32% marginal tax bracket. I'm not saying you can't do a Roth conversion if you're in the higher tax bracket, but you may not want to, right? Because that Roth conversion will be taxed at the higher rate. Yeah. I also want to define taxable income again. Taxable income is not your gross income. Taxable income is your income, your gross income minus the standard deduction or the itemized deduction, whichever one you take. So, so it's less than your gross. Correct. Okay. So that's one thing to think about. Do you know, is, should you do a Roth conversion? You know, think, think about those numbers. Also be mindful of the fact that if you're going to be age 65 or you're going to start taking Medicare, really it's when you're going to start Medicare which happens to be 65 for many people, but maybe you don't start Medicare at 65. But if you're going to be starting Medicare in two years, your Roth conversion this year is going to raise your modified adjusted gross income for 2023. And Medicare has a two-year look back. 
So they have their own little tax threshold grids and they're going to be looking at 2023 for what happens in 2025. If your modified adjusted gross income is too high, you could potentially trigger the Medicare surcharge known as IRMA, which stands for Income-Related Monthly Adjustment Amount. So if I just said a bunch of Greek to you and you're thinking, I have no idea what she's talking about, let me just make it really simple. Medicare has a base premium. If your modified adjusted gross income is low, Medicare starts adding additional premiums, additional surcharges, otherwise known as IRMA, for income they think is higher. They have their own little income thresholds. So for that year, for 2025, when you're going to turn 65, start Medicare, they're going to be looking at your tax return for this year. They look two years behind to determine where you fall on their income grid. So if you're going to take this large Roth conversion, that could mess with your 2025 Medicare premiums. And if you know it up front and you're okay with that, and that's part of the cost of the Roth conversion, fine. I just don't want you to be surprised. So if I decide at 63 to convert $100,000 from a traditional IRA to a Roth, that's going to be counted as income is what you're saying. You got it. And it's not, it's, it's not earned income, but it's still taxable income. Right. So when they see that, the Medicare people are going to think, oh, well, they've got this $100,000 of income and they're going to base your premium on that amount, which you're not going to be getting again. Hi, it's Michelle. Do you want some more information about some of the topics we've been discussing? I've got good news. After teaching in-person classes on retirement planning for years at local community colleges, I've put together some webinars you can listen to in the comfort of your own home on various topics such as estate planning, avoiding tax pitfalls in retirement, and various other topics. Reach out to us for the webinar replays, and we would be happy to send them to you. You can find all of my contact information, including my social channels, in today's show notes. Now let's get back to today's episode. That's right. Now uh, you, you made it very clear and I appreciate your clarifying that. So that income, I said, that's taxable income. It's, it's added to your modified adjusted gross income, your AGI modified, which there's a difference, but we won't go into what the difference is. Medicare uses modified adjusted gross income. So that Roth conversion that's added to that number. And yes, it was a one-time event. And yes, um, it seems unfair. You cannot, that is not a reason to appeal the Medicare decision, like some things are. They don't count that as appealable, right? That's something that was added to your income and that will land on the grid that they have. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So what else should we keep in mind then, Michelle? All right. So moving right along, let's talk about charitable donations. Now, some of our listeners um, want to give charitable donations. Some do not, and that's fine. I'm going to talk about for those who are considering donating to charity. If you are over 70 and a half, you need to be using the QCD strategy and QCD stands for qualified charitable uh, distribution. So a QCD is handled by your advisor. They make it really easy. We, we do all the work for our clients. Uh, what is it? What is a QCD? That's where the donation you were going to be making anyway, 
comes directly from your IRA, directly over to the qualified charity. And if you do it right and follow the rules, which your advisor is the one who's going to be doing all that, then your adjusted gross income gets reduced by that amount. So you're, it, so it's better than a tax deduction. It's not a tax deduction. It's literally reducing your AGI, which is much more valuable. The tax and, savings. What's that? The tax savings, right? It, it is. So it works to save you taxes because now your AGI is lower by the amount that you donated in this regard. And what does that do? That lessens the impact of that Medicare we just talked about. It lessens the impact for a potential net investment income tax trigger, which we have not yet talked about. But so now AGI, lowering your AGI, that's better than a tax deduction and also capital gains tax. So use the QCD strategy. You have to be 70 and a half or older, or it doesn't, you're not allowed. And remember that the QCD is giving to a qualified charity from your IRA. That's all it is. And doing it, doing it as a rollover and doing it under a certain amount, there are limits, there's rules. You know, you can't be getting any sort of material uh, gift from the charity you're, you're contributing this money toward or else it doesn't count, but you are, uh, oh, and I forgot the most important part, Wendy, when you do the QCD and you get this lowering of your AGI, and so therefore it's not even taxable, you also can take the standard deduction at the very same time. If you take the standard deduction and you give to charity, well, you don't really get anything for that. This is an exception. You would get this benefit we just talked about, and you can still take the standard deduction. So now you get to have your cake and eat it too. Nice. All right. So definitely take advantage of that if possible. If you're going to be doing the charitable donation anyway, and if you're not charitably minded, then ignore that strategy. Um, it's for folks who are going to be doing it anyway. Now, speaking of charitable donations, if you are taking the standard deduction, you will want to consider bunching your charitable donations in the one year that you're not going to be taking the standard deduction. So you can kind of alternate this year. I'm going to take the standard deduction and next year I'm going to give to uh, charity and, and itemize. So in other words, don't waste your charitable donations in the tax year. You're going to be taking the standard deduction, bunch them all in the one tax year you're going to itemize. Now you can alternate and do both. Okay. Yeah. Great. All right. So continuing on with charitable sort of gifts and, and, and donations, if you're going to be adding money to someone's 529 account, that's that educational account for, for college, you want to, you know, give some money, maybe it's to your grandchild or a niece or a nephew or your own child. If you're going to be doing that, you can gift up to $17,000 this year to their 529 or to anyone really without filing a gift. Uh, tax return. Now for 529s only, you can opt to take the $85,000 lump sum election, which allows you to treat it as though you've spread this $17,000 gift evenly over five years. Okay. So in other words, if you're going to give to someone's 529, you have up to $17,000 that you can give without having to file a gift uh, tax return and up to 85,000 if you want to use this election, which says, Hey, I, I don't want to, you know, give 17,000 each over the next five years. I just want to give 85,000 and be done with it for this year. And it counts for the next five years. Oh, okay, great. 
All right. So nice to be able to give. And that that was that topic. Now let's go to a different topic altogether. And that is getting married, getting divorced, that type of thing. So you may not know this, but if you're getting married um, or divorced in a tax year, in the, in the year, the IRS considers you married or divorced for the entire year, no matter what day it happened. So you could get married on December 31st and you're married for the whole year, according to the IRS. Yeah. And they say that, you know, they want that that's more beneficial for the most part, right? Yes. So I am not advising people in listener world to get married just for the tax reasons, right? (laughs) That is a not a good reason to get married. If you're going to get married anyway, and it's right for you and all the right reasons for getting married. Yes. Marriage is, is, is advantageous from a tax standpoint, because the married folks who are filing jointly have these wonderful, generous tax brackets that could change. That could change. But for, for now, that is the case. So if you and your girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, significant other were thinking about it, just want you to know you can do the, do the tie the knot all the way up to December 31st and it counts for the whole year. Bonus. It's like a wedding present from the government. <laughs> <laughs> and there are not too many presents from the government. Just no. none. Now, speaking of marital status changing, I also want to throw in widowhood. Okay. So if you were widowed this year, you can file married filing jointly for this tax year, but you'll have to file as a single person next year, unless you have a dependent child whom you provide support to, in which case you can file as a qualifying widow, which is a completely different tax term. And now you can have the the, the lower tax status, the better tax status for the next additional two years, but you have to have that dependent child. Okay. So if you, if you were widowed, you don't have a dependent child, you're going to become a single person in terms of taxes next year. And singles pay more tax usually than marrieds because of these tax brackets. Okay. So keep that in mind. Yes. Yes. So uh, moving right along, we got some more here. Uh, Your health plan. Have you met your deductible this year? That's a question I want you to ask yourselves. If you have, and you still have some doctor's appointments, you've been kind of putting off, maybe it's a good time to get it done. Get your doctor's appointments booked for the rest of the year because you'll save money. You've met your deductible. If you can get into your doctor's office, because everybody else has the same idea and they may may be booking up the the doctor's calendar, but uh, I want to throw that in there. Okay. An HSA, let's talk about those. Health savings account. That's what HSA stands for. You may have one or you may not. I want you to know that this is the, the, uh, has some really good tax characteristics. This is the only triple tax free type of account. So, triple tax free, what do I mean by that? Your money goes in pre tax, meaning you get this deduction on your tax return for every contribution you make in there. The money grows tax deferred. So any gains don't show up on your tax return and they come out tax-free when you take the withdrawal, if you follow the rules. Now you might be thinking, oh gosh, here she goes with rules. Yeah. There's lots of rules. I'm not going to clutter up uh, this episode with all the tax rules for HSAs. Although 
I have some cheat sheets. I'm very happy to to give our listeners if they want to call the office, we'll get them get them out to you. Great. Um, I do want to clarify that an HSA requires that you have what's called a high deductible health plan through your employer. So what is a high deductible health plan? Well, here's the definition. I told you I was going to give you some, some substance here. Your deductible has to be at least $1,500 if you're an individual or $3,000 for families. And your plan has to have an out-of-pocket limit of $7,500 for individuals or more and $15,000 or more for families for in-network care. That's how it's classified to be an HSA. And your your plan may also just come out and tell you that it's an HSA eligible plan. Okay. So if you have one of these, you should be considering funding it to the maximum allowable by the IRS to take advantage of these triple tax-free benefits I just talked about. You can get a tax deduction for every contribution you make, as long as it's under the, the, the maximum, which I'm going to tell you about in just a second. Okay. So here's the contribution limit. You can add up to $3,850 for an individual and $7,750 for a family. Plus, if you're 55 years of age or older, you can add another thousand. So just make that $3,850, $4,850 and so on. That's the max you can put in for the year 2023. And before you memorize those numbers, they're going to change next year. Yeah, Every year they go up, which is good. And by the way, that contribution limit I just told you about, that also includes your employer contributions, not just yours. So it can't be funded beyond that number. Gotcha. Now you're probably thinking, well, why the heck would I want to put money in this HSA thing? Well, I I, I did explain that it's triple tax free, but you may be thinking, well, yeah, but it's, I want to use the money. Can I use it? Well, sure you can. You can use your HSA money for qualified medical expenses. Now, if you're thinking, okay, what are qualified medical expenses? Qualified medical expenses include Medicare premiums. They include long-term care premiums up to a certain amount, which is dictated by your age. You can't use that money for Medicare supplement plan premiums, such as Medicare Advantage or Medigap. But just think about this. When you're retired, What's one of your biggest expenses going to be? Health. Healthcare. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's out of control. So healthcare expenses and healthcare premiums, right? Yeah. This account is going to be able to be used for those kinds of expenses. Now you can take the money out after you reach a certain age, I believe it's 65. You can take the money out and use it for things that are not qualified, but then it, then it becomes taxable. No okay. penalty, but will become taxable. But why would you do that? You're going to have plenty of of expenses that oh, are yes. not, you know, that would be, allow you to use this money tax free all the way through. It will be so, spent for sure. Oh, it will be spent. Mm -hmm. So if you have extra money and you're thinking, I just want all the tax deductions I can get and all the tax savings then think about contributing to your HSA. And by the way, it's portable. So if you leave this employer, that money comes with you. Okay, sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, and there are lots of other things I could tell you about HSAs, but I, I promise not to bore you in this episode. <laughs> but what I, what I will do is I will give you 
if you call our office, I will give you a uh, checklist that uh, will help you navigate some of this stuff. Uh, I believe it's a checklist called, can I make a deductible contribution to my HSA? There's information we have. We also have um, another checklist that might be helpful uh, that kind of encapsulates all of these tips plus more that basically is titled end of year issues to consider. So I hope that you will take advantage of the things that are applicable to you because nobody should pay more tax than they are legally obligated to pay. For sure. Yeah. And those things that you just mentioned will be in the show notes as well. So you can just take a peek at there. Yeah, I do have some things to put in the show notes uh, that will help our listeners, you know, some little uh, items that they can click on and, and read about. Uh, those those checklists themselves will not be in the show notes, but we're happy to give it to you if you want to reach out to the office. Okay. So how do we do that? How do we reach out to the office, Michelle? Simply give us a call, 713-589-6448, or just visit the website, GessnerWealthStrategies.com. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to Retire to a Life You Love with Michelle Gessner from Gessner Wealth Strategies. We hope you were inspired to take steps to your financial freedom as you learned new techniques and strategies for managing your finances. To learn more about how you can improve your financial landscape, visit our website at www.gessnerwealthstrategies.com. That's G-E-S-S-N-E-R wealthstrategies.com. Or give Michelle and her team a call at 713-589-6448. And don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes are available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Michelle Gessner or Gessner Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.